today we are focusing on the organizational depth chart in the position of goaltending. See this as a deep dive into goaltending. See this as a, the old deep dive. The old deep dive. Into the goaltending position. That is... You know, it's hilarious. I, tur- I turn on the fan today, and I'm like, okay, I just want a little bit of hockey talk. Yeah, did you get any? Commercial... Take a guess. Golf? You got a little bit of golf. Tennis. Got some tennis. Got a little bit of soccer. Oh, God. Um. Yeah, no hockey talk, though. So, Like, I don't care if it's off-season. I don't care if it's peak off-season, if it's... August 1st. I would turn on the radio on, the, on a sports channel. I want to hear hockey. Right? All day. In Calgary? Every day. Come on. Come on. Okay. All right. Goaltending. Um, yeah, because this was a bit of... It's a bit of an interesting place. Because we were talking earlier. We did an Instagram Live. And it's like... One of the weirdest things about the Flames has been this consistent goaltending carousel. Pretty much for the entire 40-year history of this yeah. NHL franchise. Do you think he can be number one? Oh, God, he can't. Can he be another one? Oh, God, no, he's not number one. Oh, my God, he's terrible. Is he a number one? Is he our next number one? Like, it's so weird. Like, we've literally had Mika Kiprasov and, like, Mike Vernon. Yeah. And, like, that's it. But, I mean, I guess if you think around the league, it's kind of a similar situation. You have, you only, it's very rare to get a guy that's going to play eight-plus seasons and just be dominant. Like, you got Henrik Lundqvist, Carey Price, Martin Brodeur, Patrick Waugh, you're listing off a lot of names. That's four? <laughs> In the matter of like 25 yeah, years. That's 20, yes, covering 25 years. But I mean, it's just like, okay, like, think about another, think about teams that have been successful. Okay, like, uh, Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh Penguins, Matt Murray. Well, slash Flurry. Slash Flurry, right? Like, there's two guys right there. We've never even, like, so they it's had, like our history is bookended. We've had like massive stretches without any number one goalie. They had some goaltending issues. Why do you think Matt Murray replaced Marc Andre Fleury? That's true. Goaltending issues. What do you mean? I don't know. I'm just the goaltending position itself is such a. It is just, a weird one. Just, that's why when you're like goal, have you ever, you know goaltenders are weird people, right? Yeah, they're all weird. If you ever meet a goaltender, it's like it's weird. It's weird if they're not weird. Exactly. Like, like they're, they're normal. Like it's David alarming. Riddich is weird, but yeah. he's I mean, he so like a perfect example. He's like the weirdest guy I've ever. Apparently, he lives in Okotoks. I don't know if I can confirm it, but apparently, he lives in Okotoks. He would. Eh? He'd be like one of those guys yeah. that like lives among everybody. That's just what I heard it. from somebody because I thought maybe he moved back to Finland, but somebody said he lives in Okotoks. So. I doubt that. Can you imagine like showing up somewhere in Okotoks and seeing Kipper like in line to buy some smokes? Yeah. <laughs> just see him in a parking lot smoking a cigarette. Seriously. Okay, so okay, well, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Do we want to start like top to bottom? What do we want to do here? I kind of you, you wanted to start bottom to top, but I kind of want to go top to bottom. Let's go top to bottom. Let's bottom to top's kind of boring. Yeah, let's go top to bottom. Okay, let's start with the old big save, Dave. Big save, Dave. David Riddick. And you keep saying Riddick, but it's Riddick. It's Riddick. 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 I think everybody for a while was calling him Riddick, and then it got corrected. But it's um, kind of like Giordano, where it's it's not Giordano, it's Giordano. Right. Even though his nickname is Gio. Which bugs me. Like, why would it be Giordano? It should be Giordano. Well, it is what I've, it is. I've gotten used to Giordano. It is what... Yeah, I don't mind Giordano. And I've gotten used to Riddick, so... Giordano. I still call him Giordano. So, anyways, we live with... We work with a woman that's from Czech. Yeah. Is it called... Yeah, it's just called Czech Republic Czech now. Czech Republic, It's not yeah. Czechoslovakia. It's they Czech, separated. It's the Republic of the Czechs. But, um, yeah. We were showing him some... Showing her some flames... We were asking her who she thought was good looking, so we showed her this guy from Czech, and she didn't like. She didn't like. She him liked Elias until she found out how much money he made. Yeah, and then she was like, "Oh." But anyways, she pronounced his name as David Ritik. 
So that's how you say it. David Ritik. That's the official pronunciation. In case you were wondering. Okay, so big save Dave. So he had a pretty excellent season last year. Okay, I just have a bit of a bone to pick with you real quick. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. Because you said you said he's... on. Okay, this is a hot take, so it's not a bone to pick. But on one of your hot takes was he would win the Vesna with 42 wins? No, no, no. Vesna finalist. Vesna finalist, but he has 42 wins. Is that too much? Too That's little? insane. How many games would he have to play? Well, maybe like 63. Okay, so let's say he... So last year he played 45 games and had 27 wins. So 27 divided by 45 is 0.6. So his winning percentage was like 60. So if he plays 60 games and okay, wins well, 42 you're of not them, gonna, you're not gonna that's win. like a 10% jump. Bump it up to 7.3 winning percentage because you're not, you're not going to win a Vesna by a 60%. If he gets 42 wins, he wins the Vesna. Anyways, okay, back to the topic at hand. You I don't. You were Sorry. trying to pick a bone with me because I was crawling over <laughs> you with your hot takes. I yeah, you were. Yeah, you want to bet on it? Yeah, I know. Okay, sorry. So I apologize. It's all good. He had a pretty good season last year. I think we would have liked to see him get more playing time. Apparently, he was struggling with an injury, and that's why Mike Smith played so much. Well, let's, I don't know. Let's kind of go back in time a bit and just see the progression okay, of what sure. is David Riddick. Because I know his first season, he came in relief for Brian Elliott. And honestly, I don't have a lot of memory around that season. My Where the memory starts to begin is when he backed up for Mike Smith, Mike Smith's first season. And Mike Smith had a great first season, I thought. He didn't have a... Well, he was good, but then he got hurt. Like, for the first third of that season, he carried the team, I thought. He kept it us in oh, every yeah. game. Totally. Yeah. And as you know, we are not big Mike Smith's fans. So not for us to say that is, uh, you know, that it must be true. So that's when David Ridge started to come on the scene. Yeah. He because played he 20, was... 21 games that year. Because he was a solid backup. Yeah. And we're like, you know what? This guy can actually play. Mm-hmm. And wasn't there was a point in time during that first season of Mike Smith... When Mike Smith went down and David Riddick came in relief, it was like, is this guy gonna steal the number one position away? Yep. And for a while, we thought he did. We thought he might until Smith went down with the injury. Yeah. And then we figured out, you know what? Okay, he's not really doing well with the number one role. We saw a little bit of Gillies at the time. Yeah, we saw eleven games of John Gillies. Yeah, because Mike Smith was injured for a while. Dude, Mike Smith was good that year. My God. Dude, like I'm telling you, I remember he was like our what happened he was like him? our MVP okay, until his, that injury. His save percentage? Yeah. Is that accurate? 927? Is that for real? Dude, he was so good. I remember he I gotta cross-reference that because I don't believe it. I that. remember how blown away I was with how good he was. Well, he got hurt in the was it the Islanders game? That yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. Was it Michael Froleek should have Right, and, buried the empty net. Michael Froleek comes down. Misses the empty netter, doesn't oh, pass I'm, to the I'm sorry. Guy. His five on five save percentage was nine two seven. His overall save percentage was still nine sixteen. That's wow. He, oh, had, yeah. he had a good year that's that still year. Still a solid man. season. So it's Michael Frolik's fault. Yeah, thanks that um, he got injured in the first place because mm-hmm. he had to make a save like ten seconds left in the game. Got injured. Yeah. Didn't something similar happen to David Ridge this year? Well, I don't know. Like when when or was did it Mike he get Smith? hurt? Because everybody said he hurt his knee, but there was that one game where he maybe kind of hurt it. But I don't know. We never heard much about and it. And I have a feeling it was Michael Froelich's fault again. Why? Why? What do you mean? <laughs> I can't remember. So that's where how he kind of came on the scene. Let's go over his uh, his numbers from last because year. Because it's kind of weird because we've been talking to a lot of people. And it's like, hey, remember this? Remember that? I swear to God, in the 17-18 season, 
Glenn Gulletson, like he, I stopped watch. I didn't watch a lot that year. Well, once they were officially out of the playoffs, it was so like, painful. It was so hard to watch because every game was the same thing. Like so if, hard. If they scored first, they were in the game until they got behind. And if they didn't score first, it was like a write off. So like, I'm not even kidding you. I didn't. There was a stretch of games there, probably between like February and the end of the season, where I didn't watch a period. I didn't miss a second last year. Like I didn't miss a period yeah. hockey last year, nor the year previous. But 17, 18, boy, I had a rough time watching some of those games. So my memory is a little foggy around some of those games. The last game I remember watching is the Islander Smith injury game. So okay, okay. So yeah, he played 21 games that year. He had eight wins, six losses. Um, Save percentage was okay. Yeah. 904. And then a goals against average of 292. So he was okay that year. Okay. And last year? Last year he was fantastic. So um, he only, that's the thing. He I thought he played. I don't know. Do we want to get into the Bill Peters Riddick thing right now? Yeah, let's do it. But I mean, before that, how the trajectory went was that. He slowly started to take the number one role away from Smith. Yeah, because for Smith sure. was just atrocious. Yeah. Um, and Riddick like, was really bad. They were like night and day opposite. Yeah, Riddick like, was really bad. And so the the number one position, he just kind of wanted away from him. Yeah. And there was a point in time I was at the game. It was San Jose. And Riddick made it had a couple questionable games. Riddick. Riddick wasn't great for a couple games. And then we rolled into the San Jose game at home. I was there. This year. Yeah, this yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. And he let in a kind of a bit of a weak one, followed up by he challenged Brent Burns on a race to the puck near the blue line, lost, Brent Burns scored, and it was about eight minutes into the game, and Bill Peters pulled him. Short leash. Yeah, and I think we both were a little annoyed at that, and I think that was the I first was questionable Bill Peters' decision. Extremely annoyed, especially for the reason that he's giving Smith, Smith the longest leash in history. Yeah. Like, the guy could let in five weak goals straight in a row, and he's going to stick with them. And you're like, why is he still sticking with them? And then David Riddick comes in, shows a bit of a sign of a falter, and then all of a sudden he's on the bench riding the pine. Yeah. And then the problem is you're pulling him to put Smith back in the net. Exactly. So it's like not only are you going to ruin the guy's confidence, but now you're not even giving the team a chance to win. I was very disappointed. You were very disappointed. We talked about that. That was like our first... Big question. I was in love with Bill Peters up until that moment. Yeah, that was the first, like, questionable move. That was the first, like, you know, like, I don't really understand that move at all. Yeah, and he never really, I don't think he redeemed himself from that. He didn't recover the net, even though I don't think he was given the opportunity to. Well, that's what, I meant Bill Peters. Oh, Bill. Oh, I understand. Bill Peters never really redeemed himself for that. No. I I would say a mistake. Yeah, for sure. Pulling a young goaltender like that when he's, like, obviously your better goalie. Yeah. Um, And not letting him kind of. Fix it himself. No, I agree. So, and then for the rest of the season, Rich was kind of okay. Yeah, he was fine. They struggled a little bit. The whole team struggled a little bit. But yeah, he was not nearly... Well, he was nearly as good. He wasn't as good. There's a few games there where he would struggle. You can see some weak goals going in. Um, but yeah, I think that was a turning point for the team and for Riddick. And the fact that Peter's kind of like... I don't know. Like, does... I don't know. Does he totally trust Riddick? Well, that's their thing. Because on one hand, it's kind of like, Peter, you're a downer, dude. Like, yep. You can see how down Riddick was after the game. Mm-hmm. And you can see, you know, he's saying the cliche things like, no, it's not going to affect me. I'll bounce back. But you don't. Obviously, it affects you. So now there's this question. Is, what is the relationship that Bill Peters has with goalies in general? Because we've seen it before in Carolina. If you remember, there's a famous, famous like soundbite of him completely ripping Eddie Lack. 
Right. Um, so I don't know if there's a pattern here where he kind of picks his favorites. And I don't know about how he handles his relationships with his goalie. So, and then the fact that he started Smith in the playoffs. Yep. So this is going to be a really interesting storyline to follow this year, yep. this season, is how does the dynamic of goaltender play out, especially with Peters involved? Yeah, exactly. Because definitely he relied heavily on the veteran mm-hmm. in the last third of the season, much to pretty much, I would say, over 95% of the fan base's chagrin uh, did not agree. You were freaking out every... every. Oh man, it was so annoying. Every time it was... Mike, well, Mike he Smith's gave Mike starting. Smith so much leash, like you said. Like it's like Smith can have a game like the Jerome McGinley retirement night, where he was so bad and lost the team the game, and then it's just like he's in the next night. Like he got all the back to back start. Like yeah. it was just it was very Which, odd. And it's anti Bill Peters. Yeah, because it's very odd. Usually he's he's giving guys chances based on merit and how they're playing. Yeah. So I didn't really understand it. All so here. maybe maybe Bill Peters' kryptonite, his weakness is. How to handle goaltenders? Not I sure. I don't know, but like I said, it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out this year, especially because you got another another veteran coming in, yeah, another veteran guy coming in. So yeah, um, just to give you maybe a few kind of uh, different analytics and stats you may not have seen on David Riddick last year. Um, so I'm gonna also compare them to Mike Smith just to show you like how much better he was than him. So he played 45 games. Smith played 42. So his five on five goals against average was 2.06. Okay. Smith, 2.53. Wow. His goals saved above Any, average. Anything near that two is pretty exceptional. Right? Uh, David Riddick's goals saved above average. So that's a stat that measures how many goals a goalie would let in or give up compared to a league average goalie based on the average save percentage and goals against of the like of the entire league. So David Riddick has a goal save above average last year, 5-on-5, five five, of 7.99. So he saved almost 8 he made eight more saves that would have been goals had a league average goalie been in the net. Yep. Mike Smith, on the other hand, negative 8.5 goals saved above average. Yikers. Yep. Really bad. And then this is another one that's really interesting is actually high danger save percentage. So um, in areas where the puck is usually high danger, like shots from high danger areas, Riddick actually had a quite good save percentage, 84.75 compared to Smith's 80.95. So yeah. uh, Riddick was stopping more of those high danger chances. And as do well. you have what like kind of league averages in that in that high danger high danger? I don't have the league average. I can give you like who was the best. Let's just take a quick peek here. So the worst was Mike McKenna in Ottawa and Philly, 66 percent. Yikes! And the best was Calvin Peterson, even though he only played 11 games at 89 percent. But the league, the league average at the top looks about 85%. So David Riddick, eighth overall in okay. high danger save percentage last I mean, year. That's, that's a fantastic statistic. So he's in the same realm as like Jordan Bennington, Pecorine, um, ben, ben Bishop, Bishop Thomas Grice. Ooh, look at that. Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott. Wow. Surprising. That's very surprising. So yeah, he had a really good season last year and... The team played better in front of him, man. No, but like this is this is one of those things. No question. I don't know if there's any statistics or analytics that will can show you the difference of how the team played in front. But I mean, ask any fan, right? Like the team had a different energy about them, and I think you had a different energy watching the game. Like totally. near the end of the season, anytime 
that there was a puck going towards <laughs> the net when Mike Smith is in the net, I like started to panic. I like, it was like cringing. I was like, oh my oh, god, is he gonna save this? It was terrible. It was so bad. Whereas with Riddich, you have a, you have a different confidence. Yeah, you just well, number one, you know he's not gonna want her out of his net and give the puck away and let a goal in from behold, behind the goal line. <laughs> Although he did have a couple of those gaffes last year, yeah, trying to follow the footsteps of Mike Smith. Yeah, it was always puck handling gaffes. Yeah. It's like I don't understand this possession of puck puck handling. I'd say ninety five percent of the fan base was saying go with Riddick to start the playoffs. So Riddick is on a currently he just got signed two point seven five million for two years. Yeah. And um, this is interesting. He's six three two oh five. He's a big guy. Which is kind of an interesting thing and we should look into this sometime because this recent like um kind of trend for goalies to be bigger. Yeah. Doesn't matter. That's a good question. I mean, because yeah. Bishop, Vasilevsky, the, all these guys are like monsters. Like, how tall is Quick? Quick is what? Well, he's Quick's, probably one of the smallest goaltenders. Right? Pro- I, be- I guarantee he's over six feet. Big. Gary Price. See, Jonathan is, Quick is just a six one. Okay. So he's still over six feet. Because he got. We'll talk about Dustin Wolf at the end of this podcast. But what is he five? He's like 10? Five, 11, five Yeah, five eleven. Probably five ten. They send to like skew it, on those a little yeah, bit. I think it's five ten. Uh, okay. So yeah, he's a big guy. David Riddick is 27 years old. Yep. Uh, he's got the same birthday as me, August 19th. Oh, he does, yeah. Oddly enough. Undrafted. Undrafted. So Here's gonna, a theme. We're going to see, interestingly enough, some of the, a lot of these goaltenders are undrafted. And so that'll come into the mix today of undrafted goaltending versus how, should you draft goaltending. And we'll get, we'll get to that. Everybody knows from Czech Republic. Just a little background on Riddick. So one of those guys playing in his home country and scouted by someone from the Flames organization. Actually, somebody I don't I can't verify this, but somebody mentioned this on our on our live stream yesterday that it was the same scout that was scouting in Czech Republic as the scout in Russia that scouted Zagadulin. Mm-hmm. So two different goaltenders. Obviously, he's probably focusing on goalies, um, but interesting if that's true. But um, yeah, he's a guy grew up in Czech Republic playing in Czech leagues. All through the minor systems and then up until, I'm assuming, on the pro, pro leagues and then scouted by the Flames. Came over in... 2016, I believe. 2016. Yeah. His first NHL debut was actually the very last game of the season. Which I don't remember, but... Yeah. Of the... What season was that? 2016-17. Yeah. He relieved Brian Elliott, the guy that stunk out the joint. Maybe they should have put him in against Anaheim. Right? Or... Right. Or Johnson. or Johnson or anybody other than Elliot. I mean, at that time, we didn't really know much about Reddick. You're probably going to go with Johnson. At that time, Glenn Gullitson was refusing to make any adjustments. So Right, and then he, his probably worst game was the last one. Holy cow. And everybody like everybody was like, you shouldn't start Elliot. And he's like, I'm the one. He lets in like three bad goals right away. So if you're wondering, like, what do you expect from Riddick, Riddick this year? I think you, I think a better way to approach that is let's see what we expect from the tandem. So let's just jump to Talbot. Yeah. So I've been, a, I've been a fan. Well, I'm not a fan of Talbot, but I've been saying that Talbot's the kind of guy you should go after in a tandem. Like, because if you look at it, the Flames are paying their goalies two seven five each for a tandem of goalies. That's like five million and a bit. For two goalies. Like Edmonton is paying more for Koskinen almost than we have for both of our goalies combined. Yeah. So I think this could be a really good value signing for the Flames Camp Talbot. And I mean he's been a he's been a career pretty good goalie. It's just the last couple of years he's really struggled. And I mean he's been dude, he's been in front of a terrible Edmonton Oilers defense. Like who wouldn't struggle? Yeah. And this is one of those things where a lot of Oilers fans were, were laughing that we signed Talbot. But if you look at his um, his numbers outside of those two years. He's got yeah. really good numbers. 
And like, I mean, what was his, what were the numbers of the year they made to the playoffs? Yeah, like 2017-2018, he had a he had a pretty great or the season four, sorry, 2016-2017 had a great season, which 919 is save percentage, 239 goals against. And that was the year they made it to the playoffs. Yeah. And interesting enough, Lucic has really good numbers that season as well. Yeah, weird, eh? 40, so, he had 42 wins. I was giving you shit for saying Riddick could get 42 wins. 42 wins that year. Holy cow. There you go. Wow. He played a ton of games. 73 games he played that year. Yeah. And I mean, that's probably indicative of his his poor follow-up season. Yeah. It's like he, they overplayed him. They relied on him too much. And you've seen that with Pecorino. You've seen that with other goaltenders. You can't. You can't, and especially in today's, I mean, it was different yeah. 10, 15, 20 years ago. Totally. Goaltenders, I mean. Even two, three years ago, like, we're not seeing these guys other than the top guys getting more than, like, maybe even 60 starts. So, yeah. But yeah, his career save percentage is still 915, and his career, career goals against is still 2-6. Okay. So, like, he's still a solid goalie, I think. All right. Especially at 275. Any, any uh, analytics going to Yeah, on? so last year, just if you're wondering, like, he struggled so... He struggled hard last year. Um, and again, like, playing in front of a terrible Edmonton Oilers team, but he really? also played in Philly. Like, what is going on in Edmonton? Oh, dude. I mean, that's a whole other thing, that's but... That's a whole other thing to dissect. They have a terrible defense. To pinpoint that on any one player? Oh, exactly. And, like, he had a pretty bad year the year previous as well. Not bad, but, I mean, still not great. His save percentage was 908. His goals against was over three. So that 2017-2018 year wasn't great, but he still had 31 wins. So it's not like he was just floundering back there. So yep. last year he really struggled. His high danger save percentage was 74%. Ooh. Yikes. So like a full 11% lower than David Riddick's. And his goals saved above average was negative 3.86. So he, he struggled. Okay, so he needs to have a bit of a bounce back. Season. Yeah, for sure. And he's on a show-me deal, so I think that's even more sign that he could. Yep. But, it, I mean, like, I've said this forever. Don't be paying for saves. Like, what did you see last year, right? You saw guys like Thomas Grice, Robin Leonard, Jaroslav Halak, even, like, a guy like the Flames who used to have Laurent Brassois, yep. like, be in the top of the leagues in terms of goals saved above average. Right. So it's like... It's, un- it's not as predictable as other positions. Like, he could come and have a really good year and be a super great value signing. So, Campbell, another tall guy, 6'4". Yeah, he's big, eh? And 195. But older guy, he's age 32. Another undrafted player. Undrafted. Don't draft goalies. Uh, born in Caledona, Ontario. So, Caledona. good old Canadian boy. He's a good Ontario boy. The Leafs should have picked him up. And uh, so let's talk about this age thing because this has been coming up for us. Yeah. It seems like the league is really shifting as far as the forwards go. You're seeing a lot more production in that between that like 23 to 26 Like age. literally like 18 to 24 even is like and, the peak. And these young new superstars coming at 18 year olds are putting up like crazy numbers in their first few seasons. Yeah. But the, the defensive side of the game and the in between the pipes has not adjusted the same way. You still have the ripe old age of... You know what's Gio's age? Is yeah, he's thirty-five. Yeah, it's, it's it's the older D men still that are that are the you know bringing home the Norris each year. Yeah, it's weird. Like even numbers. like Carlson is like he's twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Hedman's twenty-eight. Burns is a little older. Like all of the top defensemen are not in that like yep. same age range as a lot of the top fours, like and, twenty-three, twenty-four. And those guys are the guys coming in right after Seabrook and Keith. We've yep. been up at the same same age. So the defensive side of the game, the top D-men are still, it looks like they're hitting their prime in their late 20s. Yeah. I would say 28 to 32. 
And then you got goaltenders a little bit all over the place, but I think it's is averaging slightly higher as well. Um, which is yeah. So Cam Talbot's coming as a thirty-two year old um, compared to David Riddick, twenty-seven. What do you yeah. think about the the age? I don't know. Like it's curious. I'm always on the side of like older. You're probably gonna see more regression. Like I think a guy like Mike Smith is kind of proof of that, right? Like he just all of a sudden was terrible after an injury. Yeah. So. Because he's 40? He's like, what is he, 37? I don't think he's quite that old. pushing 40. But he's almost 40. So you saw him, like, he played really well in that first half season with the Flames, but then he got hurt and then, like, was literally brutal since. So I think, I don't know, maybe injury, like, proneness to injury as you get older is a factor. But, I mean, some of the best goalies in the league, while they're not, like, in that 35-36 range, like... Obviously, outside of Jordan Bennington. Yeah, they're still in that like 27 to 31 range. Okay. So, I mean, something to keep an eye on as, as the, the, you know, the, the league starts to get younger as well. So. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, it's kind of, it's, it's neat to look at, you know, where a Canadian guy came from, where he played. Uh, so, he played in the OPGHL. So, JHL, sorry. He was actually undrafted. He didn't, he yeah. didn't get drafted in the OHL. It's weird. Not That's even not weird to me. Like not that. even in the OHL. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. So he didn't even get it. He didn't get drafted as a junior. So he ended up playing. Start from the bottom, baby. Instead of tier one hockey, he was playing tier two hockey, um, out in Ontario, and then he actually went the NCAA NCAA work route. And he actually went to the University of Alabama Huntsville. Who goes to the University of Alabama to play hockey? Good old Alabama. That is so, that is the route less traveled. I almost feel like this guy. Wasn't a sure shot to make the NHL, sure, and he just like started it. to come on. Like he, he actually, he impressed obviously when he when he was in the NCAA. Um, in the 2009-10 season, he was named to the All College Hockey America second team and was named Most Valuable Player in the CHA tournament. Good on you, Cam. Yep. Good and on then, you, Cameron. So that's kind of interesting that you see a guy that yeah you know, with the NCAA. It's always interesting to see what kind of totally. path these guys take to get to the NHL. And then he has played some international experience. In 2016, he was a starting goaltender for Team Canada and led the team to his second straight gold medal. I so. see highlighted in your notes that he's a fan of Ghostbusters. Oh, yes, yes. So, so, so fun <laughs> facts. He's married, got two kids. He's Maybe actually... make the fun facts a little more fun this time. Yeah, last time I'm like, fun fact, no happens, dad died of cancer. I don't, know what I don't think he died. No, You're he like, got here's you. He Fun facts, and then you said like one thing. His dad had colon cancer. That's depressing. Sorry about that. So, <laughs> so yeah. make the fun facts a little more fun this time. Talbot married his wife Kelly in 2012, and they have two twins. Are any I mean, of them I'm, named I'm after a, Ghostbusters characters? I'm a father, so it's always interesting to see these guys and you know picture them having kids as well. It's, it's almost as if they are people and not just hockey player robots. Right? They have a life outside of hockey. Very odd. No. Who would have thought? But I can tell you, as being a father, it's really challenging. So I always kind of find it interesting. I know Eric Francis thinks they are humans. They're just machines. So Yeah, I always find it interesting to see who has these young kids and is still playing well. I mean... It's true. It's interesting. But yeah, like you're saying, Talbot is a big fan of Ghostbusters. Who isn't? Who isn't? Okay. Did you see the new Ghostbusters? What do you mean the, the new one? The one with the SNL no. girls? I'm not, a, I'm not a big Ghostbusters Loved guy. Loved it. You saw the OG though. I've seen it, but I'm not like... Apparently they're coming out with a new They are. They're filming it right here. It's getting in filmed Calgary, in Calgary. With the kid from Stranger Things and Paul Rudd, Ant-Man. And Rick Moranis. Okay, who brought the dog? Okay. 
Okay, so anyways, he's known to incorporate Ghostbusters into his artwork. Okay, I was his, just, his mask sorry, just as an aside here, I was chatting with somebody, not chatting, but on, because uh, I posted a, tr- a 37 days till the season, and I posted Trevor Kidd yesterday on Instagram. Yeah. Why don't more goalies have, like, sick pad setups? Because right? like, say what you want him about him as a goalie, but he's got, like, the flames and the blocker, catcher, well, the whole shebang. On a side note, we were talking about this today. We were complaining about how, why do the flames have black on their jerseys? Yeah. And then it got us on this whole thing of, like, look at the flames motif. Flames. You look at the, like, how do you... How do you, how do you not be creative and fun with that? How have we never seen any flames coming up the cuffs of the sleeves? Right. Or from the bottom of the socks up? So, like, more goaltending creativity. I like, like, the mass stuff is starting to come around, but please, get some cool designs on your pads. Why aren't your flame, why aren't your pads flaming? Flaming. Why aren't they have on fire with I know. Like, they, come on. Did Rick Tabaracci do something like that? I can't no, remember. there was, like, a lot of guys in the 90s and stuff who did that. And then it just kind of went away a bit. So, okay. I want that to come back, is, like, the pad design. And it's, I think it is a little bit, but... Okay, anything else you want to touch on with Talbot before we look at what we expect out of these two this year? Well, I think I think we have to kind of talk about them in tandem, right? Yeah. So I think with Talbot again, a lot of the Oilers fans are like, huh, huh, you guys got Talbot. It's like, I guarantee you, Mike or uh, Cam Talbot's better than Mike Smith this well, year. Well, I will take Cam Talbot or Mike yeah. Smith right as exactly. of right now, any day. He's on a one-year deal that pays him less than three million dollars. There's literally no risk. I I expect him to have a have a pretty solid season, especially in front of a, a much improved Flames defense compared to the Oilers. So, and can we just say how interesting it is? I, have you ever witnessed this? No, it's you so a, weird. You have a two player swap in the off season of like very odd. Two pretty key positions. Well, when's the last time? Like this isn't a trade between the Flames and Oilers, even though that did happen this off season. But like the last one is the Steve Stales trade. Oh God. <laughs> So it's weird to see guys switch because it doesn't—it literally doesn't happen very often. So, just as like the the Battle of Alberta seems to be coming a little bit back online. Yeah, like that first it's game weird. last year was unbelievable. Great game. So yeah, this even adds another wrinkle. But I will take Talbot over Smith any day. So yeah, I expect him to have a good year. And so let's get into it. Like, how do we expect these two to? How do we expect the split to play out? Well, I, what I've heard people say, and I like that, is like it's not really a 1-2 situation. It's a 1-A, 1-B. I think Calvert's there for insurance. I think the Flames, as an organization, want to see what Riddish can do by himself yeah. in that number one role. But obviously, the last time we experienced that was when Mike Smith was injured two years ago. Yeah. He faltered hardcore. So there's probably a little bit of question mark, but after a really solid season last year, they probably feel like Ridge can be that guy. Talbot's there just for the insurance. And the other point I want to make on that is and this is what I think Bill Preters has really injected into the organization is internal competition. Yep. Uh, we saw that last year where there's always a forward sitting out ready to chomp at the bit, get ready back in the lineup. This is and, James Neal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that, that I really saw that as an effective piece of growing it, growing your guys internally is that having an internal p- competition. And I think that Talbot brings that to Rich. You know Talbot's going to be going because, like, you know, he has a lot to prove this year. He's on a contract year. Like, he's 32. If he doesn't have a good year this year, who knows if he's, you know, if he's even getting a contract anywhere next year. So I think he's going to bring that for sure. So what I'm really curious is about, about is how Peter's manages the two of them and manages their starts because again like we said off the top we've seen that we saw this last year where it's like mike smith was given the benefit of the doubt even though david riddick outplayed him and that was frustrating yeah and peters seemed to show more confidence all season long in mike smith even though david riddick outplayed him and like jordan said if you remember that san jose game where i think we were coming off a stretch where smith wasn't playing very good so riddick had gotten the start 
And he let in two early goals. I don't. They weren't necessarily bad goals, but he did make the mistake coming out to play the puck. And then Peters pulled him. And it seemed from that point on, from that game on, he didn't get any starts that he probably deserved. Yeah. I 100% agree. So what I'm curious about... And, and I honestly, like, to reiterate, that really bothered me. And I, I was a big, big, huge Bill Peters lover. I was falling in love with the guy. Until that happened, I'm like, what's going on? This is this is really weird. So what my question is, is how is he going to do this? Like, does he, does is the starting job Riddick's to run with? Like, does he get the benefit of the doubt this year? Does he get, does he get like, the prime starts? I think he does to start the season. I think he does too, but I don't know. Like, seeing what happened with Mike Smith last year, kind of hearing some stuff out of, like, how he handled the goaltending in Carolina, like... I don't know. Maybe this guy prefers veteran goalies. I'm just curious to see what happens. And I mean, it's interesting because I know when Bill Peters was hired from Carolina over to Calgary, there was a lot of negative feedback around this guy because the team never made the playoffs. But on the on the flip side of that, the team itself had unbelievable possession numbers, but no goaltending. And but they were they were like the top of the league in yep. all analytics except for goaltending. Exactly. So this guy has some, and that's obviously not his fault. No. But coming from your your previous job where the goaltending is like basically you know some of the team, right? I don't know. Maybe there's some weird thing with he's got bad luck. With, yeah, I don't I'm know what it is. I'm not sure. So like again, my assumption would be the Riddick Talbot split is favorable to Riddick. Something like a 60-40. So like Riddick gets maybe. What, like 50 starts and Talbot gets somewhere in the 30 range? Maybe even less? Yeah, because that's that's even the way you're, you're tending to see more of the split happen regardless yeah. across the league. Mm-hmm. But I think probably ideally in a perfect world, the Flames probably want Riddick to, to take a, a solid 60% of those starts. Yeah. Uh, maybe even upwards of 65 if he's trending. But who knows how it's going to play out. I think in a, in a war, like say... Kind of in a medium case scenario, if, if Riddick isn't going to be that solid goaltender that the organization depends on him and wants him to be, yeah. then it's going to be more of a 50-50 split, and it might be closer, you know, Riddick might get a little bit more of the bulk of the games, but I think, and then in a worst case scenario, I mean, you did a hot take on this last, yeah. yesterday, but worst case scenario is that Talbot becomes... Big time and Talbot becomes the number one. And listen, if, if Talbot wins the job away from him it's yeah. not necessarily a worst case scenario no but then what yeah now you have a guy that is how old is he 32 32 is gonna be 33 next season i guess you can still maybe count on two three solid seasons from him yeah but if riddick is not your go-to guy then what are you doing next year but then i guess the good thing is you could always ship him out and bring good. in one of these young guys who we're going to get to next yeah but yeah the goaltending i think is going to be honestly one of the really interesting storylines yeah, this season. Yeah, it's in flux, and it's kind of an interesting one because, like, as I said, I'm not a big fan of paying for saves. I think this is an ideal situation, but still, it does an ideal situation in terms of like value, dollar value. But it still kind of like makes you a little bit nervous, right? Because like we are in this window where we have Johnny Gaudreau, Mark Giordano, Sean Monahan, all these guys kind of like right in a really good spot. It's like if we kind of get screwed over by goaltending, like if we have another Brian Elliott, Chad Johnson scenario. Yep. Where it's like we get crushed because our goalies are so bad, like that could that just kind of makes me a little nervous. So I'm not as nervous about it with Elliot and Johnson as I am with Riddick and Talbot. Yeah. But it's still I could see it possibly happening and being a weakness. But yeah, I don't really get that. I don't really get that from these two guys. No, me either. I don't think we'll get that. But me it either. is interesting that even leading in the playoffs last year, yeah, across the board, all the analysts were like, oh, who knows what they're gonna do in the playoffs because their goaltending is the weakest. They're so weak. Yeah. 
And then there's some guys like, how are they weak? They finished second in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, how weak can your goaltending be? But if you look at the numbers across the board and how, how the number one position wasn't even, no one knew who was number one going into the playoffs. Yeah. Even though I think we all agreed it was, it was Riddick. So. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I feel much better about our goaltending heading into this season than I did last season, yeah. for sure. Definitely. I'll, I'm, you know, summarize, summarize that is very, I think it'll be one of the most interesting storylines to see sure. how the goaltending plays yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. And the second piece of that is how big of a part of Bill Peters is in that. Yeah, that's what I'm the most curious about is how Bill Peters manages his goalies. Yeah. Okay, let's go to who's in the system. All right, who do you got first? I'm going, okay, out of the three guys kind of in the wings, you got, you got Gillies, Zagadulin, and Parsons. But honestly, if I'm ranking them just yeah. from, you know, kind of an outsider perspective, I'm putting Zagadulin as your top. No, player. I think so as well. So okay. let's start with him. So he's 24. Is he so I, I got 24. He's your 3A. Yeah, so he's probably he's going to play his first season in Stockton. So uh, last year he played 25 games for literally the best name of any sports team, Metalurg, Metalurg Magnitogorsk. I wonder what Metalurg... Well, Metalurg, isn't that the place? That's or is place. Magnitogorsk the place? No, I guess you're One right. of them is the place, one of them is the Mag- team name. What the hell is Magnitogorsk? Doesn't matter. Sounds like a badass superhero villain like a, name. Sounds like a bratwurst or it's something cool. like that. No, I think it sounds like Metallo or Metalurg. I don't know. It's probably some sort of like mythological, deep sea creature or something. Anyways, he played 25 games in the K last year. He put up a pretty impressive 1.96 goals against and a 9.24 save percentage. Pretty impressive? Pretty impressive. That's very impressive. Pretty goddamn Pretty impressive. Sorry, try not to swear. Yeah. Try not to take the Lord's name in vain because apparently my mom was like, I'm going to listen to your podcast. And I was like, um... Oh, and if you say God damn it. If I said God damn, she wouldn't be impressed. She told me, she's like, you can swear, but just don't say the Lord's name in vain. But you're not actually saying in vain. No, no. It's just an expression. If I had said Jesus Christ, then maybe. Yeah, okay. I can All right, so Zagadulin. So, yeah, he's he's older, and he's coming off a really good season in the KHL. And he's, so he's, play. he's 24. He's 24, yeah. yeah. So, older. Yeah. And he's one of those guys also undrafted. Yeah, undrafted. It's interesting. So another guy, similar guy said, uh, one of the scouting guys from Calgary. Yeah, apparently. Same guy that scouted Riddick. Yep. Same situation. This guy's growing up in the in the in Russian leagues, playing in the KHL, and then obviously he had a good season. Well, you did you see him at the prospects camp? I saw him at the prospects camp. Yeah. yeah. There's Parsons, Zagadulin, and Wolf, and I kind of like this guy. He's like big. He's like very calm, cool, and collective. Yeah. The opposite of Mike Smith. <laughs> and um, he just he just seemed like a solid, reliable goalie. Yeah, he looks his stats look like really excellent. Like the and VHL, that, the KHL. He just kind of had that persona. Like a really good goalie. He had that air of him, like he was just like really calm and confident. So. Yeah. So I'm curious. So I guess the kind of the, the thought is he's probably going to get the split with Tyler Parsons in Stockton this year. And then, but then what happens to Gillies? Yeah. So like my guess is if we see a third goalie come up, it's probably him. Because so that to, leads us into Gillies. So to, we'll get to Parsons. To start this. off last season in the AHL, Gillies was the main guy, the number well, one. Yeah. Like we all kind of expected him. Like he's kind of in that conversation of like those guys who are like um, not Kerry Rama. Who's the other guy I'm thinking of? There's one guy in there. We let him. I don't know. We've had a string of those goalies who have just been like up and down, and nobody's ever really panned out. Yeah. So he was when it was Gillies drafted. He was drafted in the 2012 NHL entry draft. So I think that's the same year Jankowski was drafted. So he's 25 now. Um, yeah, he was drafted. He played for Providence. Yeah, um, he was drafted in the third round, 75th overall. But he has played. 
a few NHL games and hasn't really impressed. Like he played in the 2017-2018 year, he came in and backed up when Mike Smith was hurt, and he played 11 games and wasn't particularly solid. Yeah, we he to me he was like just, positionally he wasn't didn't look super great. To me he was just okay, other than the positioning. Sometimes he was so out of position, right? It was like, dude, like that's not covering up the angle. That's getting out yeah. of your net. I'm so not like, a goalie, but I can even tell. Yeah. So I think we're both on the same page where it's like, I don't think this guy has much of a future with the organization. And he had a terrible season last year. Really bad year last year. So, so he started the season as a number one guy in Stockton, and now he, he lost the role to Parsons. He played 45 games, 3.51 goals against, and a sub-900 save percentage as 889. Yeah. So not a particularly great year. So he's on a one-way deal as well, so he'll have to clear waivers for them to send him down. So... I'm not sure what happens with him. He might be like a third stringer in Stockton. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. I feel like he's your like I don't know three C. So I got like you Tyler, never know. Like Tyler, you, sorry, I got Tyler Parsons your three B. Yeah. He's probably going to back up to Zagadulin. Those guys might do a split role. They'll split it probably. And then where Gillies falls, I don't even know. Like he could go the way of like a Leland Irving, and we never hear from him again. Or he could go like Lauren Pessois. Yeah. Like who's a really good backup in Winnipeg, but I don't know. I can't see much of a future for him unless he just. I don't know. Okay. Again, he's on a one-way deal, so he'll have to clear waivers. Maybe so why do, trade some. Why don't we look at this AHL Stockton goaltending situation as a as like the three guys? So yeah. Well, let's shift to Parsons because I think out of all the goaltenders, like this is an actual legit draft pick. Yeah. Prospect. prospect. This is an actual goalie prospect. Exactly. So the guy's twenty-one years old. Twenty sixteen, he was drafted in the second round. Second round, played 50, for London, fifty-fourth overall. Yeah. So grew up in the United States. He played in some of these uh, midget elite leagues, um, little little Caesars. I don't know if like I used to play in the Max Midget. I used to watch the Max Midget, and the Little Caesars team always comes to Calgary. He's I a mean, big Slipknot fan, apparently. If oh, fun off, fact! If you follow him on Instagram. Fun fact. <laughs> um, and so yeah, these these U.S. elite teams are different than the high school teams. Yeah. We talked a bit about the prep teams. I can't remember what no episode that was. Yeah, no, yeah. no happened. Um, but yeah, these are some elite. Elite teams they they play and then he went to the London Knights. So yeah, some solid seasons. To in me, anybody that goes through the London Knights organization, yep. I mean that's a really that's a good that's a really good sign. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, like I, he's had a couple seasons in Stockton. Well, he's really only had one season in Stockton. Um, he played seven games in 2017-2018. Last year he had an okay year, but I mean the the Heat were pretty bad, so his numbers are, are similar to Gillies, like yeah. three point seven goals against and an eight nine eight save percentage in twenty games. Like the Heat weren't great, but he kind of essentially showed more in the starting role in Stockton than John Gillies did. Yeah, and he's twenty one, and he was drafted like he's four years younger than John Gillies. Yeah. So, and I mean, this is really why we said it was like we we think that Zegadulin's kind of like your starter in Stockton. Yeah, and then Parsons gets the backup role. And then just don't know what's going to happen with... Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Gillies, but I say, yeah, Zagadou and Parsons are 1A, B in Stockton this year. And if you do see somebody come up, it's probably Zagadou, but it could be probably Parsons before Gillies for sure. And I do just want to touch real quick on John Gillies because he was drafted as well. We covered that. Yeah, 2012. Uh, his middle name's Bruce. Oh, great. I thought you might find that interesting. Yeah. But well, this guy... Hey, we found a guy's middle name finally. This, and I, didn't you say Bennett's name was Bruce? No, I didn't. I, I couldn't find it. You thought it was Charles because he looked like the guess who guy. I thought you said it's Bruce. No, I didn't know. Okay, but, <laughs> but the point I want to make is that Gillies is no slouch. Like, he's has he's had no, some success. No, his pedigree is pretty good. Yeah, he's had some success. I mean, That's why it's kind of a bummer that he hasn't really panned out. He played in the Providence Friars, uh, Div 1 NCAA. In his freshman year, he was awarded the Outstanding uh, Play Award. Got selected to the first-team All-Star. 
And um, let's see. Like, yeah, he was kind of supposed to be the next guy, right? Because I remember back, I can't remember if it was like the Ramo Hiller era or whatever, but it was like, hey, when's John Gillies going to be called up? When's that going to happen? This is the big one right here. In 2014, he led the team to the yeah. NCAA title. No, I remember that. Being chosen as a Frozen Four most outstanding player. He was, he was good, man. He was a, a bit of a promising collegiate prospect. So, yeah. So, I don't know. The only thing is, he's older. He had a really tough year last year. He hasn't shown much at the NHL level when he was given the chance. Yeah. And he's on a one-way contract. So, I just, I don't see much from him this season. And, I mean, part of it could be how challenging is it when you're trying to make the NHL and you're just always on the outside looking in. Yeah, it could you, be. How, how mentally draining is that if you're always looking for that opportunity? For sure. And, I mean, he's one of these guys who's, like, big, right? He's six six, So, um... I don't know. I don't know about our, our big goalies hypothesis, but that's probably part of the reason why he was drafted yeah. as well. I mean, so, I'd love to see him get it. I don't know. I just don't see much of a future for him in the organization. So yeah. So if you're following any of the depth chart and what's going on in Stockton, that's going to be another interesting storyline Yeah. to see how that starting role separates between those three guys Yeah. and what actually happens to Gillies. It depends if he's even there. Because, like, again, he could be waived. To yeah. go to go down to the minors, he has to be waived, so someone could claim him. Honestly, I think that's probably your highest trade. probable scenario is that yeah. we'll see that, but mm-hmm. who knows. Okay, so, okay. yeah, those are those guys. If you're a Tyler Parsons fan, he's actually there's, he's got a cool story, so uh, just Google it. There's a cool, really interesting, just with his, uh, his story about mental health, he's got a really good story. If you're into that kind of stuff, okay, did he go which through, I am. Did he go through some sort of depression? Exactly. Yeah, he was kind of, like, bummed about hockey and stuff. If you're a subscriber to The Athletic... It's a really good piece about Tyler Parsons, so check it out. Cool. Okay, and then we've just got two more guys to quickly touch on. Um, I guess we have Nick Schneider in the system as well. So he was signed as a free agent in 2015. Um, he's born. He's an Alberta boy. He's from Leduc. He's 6'2", 181. He catches with his right hand. I don't know. He's signed until next season. I, was, I, I don't know much about the guy. It doesn't seem to really make sense because he doesn't seem to be... I don't know. He doesn't have a... I don't think he's an NHL goalie. From what I've been able to gather, like, his stats don't suggest he's even going to be ready for the AHL. So, um, that's just one more guy we have in the in in the depth chart that I thought I'd mention. Okay. Um, so, like, they have four goalies there. What are they going to do with that? Well, I don't think he's going to be in Stockton. He's probably... I don't know if... Where is he? Let me just pull it up real quick. So, how does it work if, if you're not playing in Stockton? They have their own farm team, obviously. Well, there's like different they, affiliates they may have. Like, I guess he did play a few games in Stockton last year, but then he played most of his time in the ECHL, so the East Coast Hockey League. Oh yeah, so that's kind of like their affiliations with the East yeah. Coast League. So he played eleven games. Actually, didn't have a bad stats last year in the A. Eleven games, two point four five goals against, nine two two save percentage. So, but um, previous to that, his time in the WHL with the Hitmen, he has not particularly great stats. Similar with the Tigers. Um, and again, like he, he's a little older, so like 23, I think, 22, I guess not that old, but, okay. so um, he might oscillate between, he'd probably be in the ECHL is what my guess would be. Yeah. He might oscillate between yeah. ECHL and AHL, but I don't think Gillies will. I think Gillies is going to get moved somewhere. Yeah. I can't see them starting the season with Gillies, Parsons and Zegadulin all in Stockton. So, okay. All right, and then we thought we'd just quickly touch on Dustin Wolf. Dustin Wolf, another Dusty. prospect. So the two prospects, Tyler Parsons, you also got Dustin Wolf. He was drafted this year, seventh round, 214th overall. Great value pick. If you're going to be selecting goalies, take a risk in the later round. And this is how you do it, right? Because yep. he was projected to actually go in the third round. Mm-hmm. Um, well, dude, like here's his numbers in in El, in Everett in the WHL. And just to just to preface that real quick is that. 
Carter Hart yeah. was the number one goalie in Everett. He took over for Carter Hart. When Carter Hart left to play with the Philadelphia Flyers last year, yeah. um, Dustin Wolf took over and basically put up almost as good numbers. 61 games, 1.69 goals against average, wow. 936 save percentage. Really good numbers. Wow, that's incredible. So I really I really like them picking him in the seventh round. It's a really good pick. So if if you're a Calgary Hitman fan and you like to go to games, whenever it's in town. Whenever ever it's in town, check it out because Dustin Wolf, get a good eye on him. Yeah, and so the thing with him is like apparently he's he's what, 5'10, 5'11? 5'11, let's see what they got. So Official, like five undersized. 165. The guy's a featherweight. That's literally like me if I was like four inches shorter. Can you right? imagine? Holy cow. Be like pushing you over like <laughs> holy easy. cow. I watched some of his highlights last night. Yeah. Um, he's made some pretty spectacular saves, but he's also really sound positionally. He's yeah, quick. He's so that's quick. what you hear. He's really good positionally. He kind of reminds me of Quick, actually. Mm, interesting. He looks a little bit like Quick, too. So, like, that's the thing. And, again, I haven't done much research on this, but I don't know what what other than, like, the kind of basic idea of what size does in net. Like, how does it help you play other than taking away more net? Like, I'm not sure. Well, yeah. I think, again, it's one of those things where it's – you know, we saw this a long time ago. The NHL got really big. The yeah. players got drafted. We were always big guys. Mm-hmm. And then you have the odd, like, really odd guy like St. Louis or Theo Fleury that made it through. Um, but I said this to you before. It just, it's it checks a box. Yeah, for sure. It checks one of the scouting boxes if you have size. So you don't necessarily have to have it. But if you have size and you're pretty average, you know, you're going to be place the head of a guy that without the size so, so. that like some comparables like anton hudobin is a similar size so he's a, he had a great year in dallas last year so i'm really confident in david wolf or dustin wolf david wolf oh, <laughs> oh awesome. boy yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah superfoods so david wolf wolf was ranked 12th among north american goaltenders in central scouting yeah um and like i read a couple um articles about this leading up to the draft he basically he if he was a couple inches taller, mm-hmm. he would have been drafted way way, way ahead. Way he probably wouldn't have got him. So yeah. um, that's why we say he's he was some people are calling him the steal of the draft. So we'll Dude, see. Dude, he certainly could be. I was really stoked when they took him and I mean yeah. I'm 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 that's where I would pick goalies anyway, so I really like this pick a lot. Yeah. So it is nice to know. It's nice to know that we have a couple actual decent prospects yep. in the system mm-hmm. that shows some promise because because you never know with goaltending. Outside of what, Trevor Kidd? Who's oh, been really boy. Hey, we've drafted Brent Cron ninth overall that year. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Cron. boy. Croner. Oh, okay, so hopefully that covers all the bases on the goaltending in the system. Yep. Um, anything else to add on that? I don't think so. We want to know what you guys think about what the tandem's going to look like this year. Like To me, that's the most interesting that's scenario. That's like the biggest question around the goaltending. Yeah. What do you guys think? Who's your number one? Obviously, I think everybody's going to say Riddick. But what do you think the split is going to look like? And how do you think the season will go down? And do you think if Riddick like, falters, does Bill Peters give Cam Talbot like, and did, full reign? And did you guys notice that last yeah. year? When Bill Peters pulled him real quick, it kind of like, I don't know, it sent like a weird shockwave through the through this, through the dressing room or the, whole I don't season, know, the whole team. It was a little different. It, everything switched. But all, like the, just the way that the team played differently in front of Riddick, was really noticeable for me. So yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see how they play in front of Talbot. All right, signing off.